2: Great Lives is a biographical show from the BBC where notable guests choose someone who's inspired them and tell host Matthew Parris why. It's been going since 2001 and it's now on to its 48th series, so it's already got hundreds and hundreds of great lives to choose from.
0: Picture the scene. Wembley Stadium, 13th of July, 1985. A man with a moustache, dressed in a white vest and stonewashed jeans, strolls to the front of the crowd and starts to sing. And the crowd sings back.
1: All right.
0: Freddie Mercury singing at Live Aid in 1985. So, who was Freddie? Joining me to discuss his life is the journalist and author of Freddie's biography, Bohemian Rhapsody, Leslie Ann Jones, and also with me, his nominator, Matt Lucas, a man who needs no introduction to fans of Little Britain, Shooting Stars, and Doctor Who. Matt, tell us why you've chosen Freddie Mercury as your great life.
3: He was the greatest vocalist of the 20th century. And I was really shocked that uh, when I suggested Freddie, I thought, well, I'm sure somebody would have chosen him already. Yes,
0: I was surprised that no one yes, had.
3: really surprised. But then I suppose you have posher people than me usually on this <laughs> show and they pick Lloyd George or Munch or Debussy or someone like that.
0: But is that it, that he's the greatest vocalist of the 20th century? Is there more? Uh, there's a lot more. For me personally...
3: As a scared, homosexual teenager, he was a superhero to me. And in an age where there was so little visibility of gay performers, other than the very politicised ones, Freddie was like a almost like a cartoon character. Can you remember the first time you saw him, live or on TV, or where? I remember being very young and there was some kind of retrospective pop programme on BBC Two, I think, to commemorate 10 years of BBC Two or 15 years, and um, they showed the Bohemian Rhapsody oh, video. He's just a poor boy from
0: a poor family Sparing his life from this
3: And I was terrified by it. And I didn't realise at first that that was the guy who sings Flash, I think that was probably my first awareness. But I'd already... I got a Greatest Hits album. Uh, well, I got a cassette that I'd copied off a friend, which <laughs> is what we used to do on cassettes. And then I realised that I already knew a lot of the songs. i just never pieced them together as being by the same band. So I already knew we are the champions and I'm sure I used to sing I Want to Ride My Bicycle in the Playground. And I was just enchanted. And then I remember seeing live footage of the band on television. I remember Under Pressure. I mean, so I was more of a a kind of 80s queen kid. Yeah. But uh, actually their music from the 70s is what I prefer. Do you sing? Sounds like you do. I sing a little bit. I've been in a couple of musicals. Really? I'm no Freddie Mercury, but then no-one else is.
0: (laughs) Will you give us a little snatch from Bohemian Rhapsody? From Bohemian Rhapsody? Or, Or wherever. Um... Barcelona. Ah, I had this perfect dream.
3: (laughs) This dream was me and you. I think I'll probably stop there and save
0: the ears of your listeners. Now, Leslie Ann, uh, you met the man himself, I believe. T- tell us a bit about that.
1: I met Freddie when I was a, a young scumbag journalist on Fleet Street, and I was sent to interview him. And Freddie and Brian were there, and Freddie was pretty silent for the entire session and Brian did most of the talking. But he would be quite funny sometimes, and when Freddie would laugh spontaneously, his hand would fly to his mouth to cover up his teeth because he was very shy about showing his teeth to people he didn't know. He had extra teeth in the back of his mouth that pushed his front teeth forwards, so he had a very pronounced overbite, and he wouldn't do anything about it because he thought that it would change his voice. So he had to trust you before he would let you see his teeth. And that was the thing that stood out to <laughs> me. Were you drawn memory. to him? Very drawn to him, yeah. I didn't know he was gay at that point, and I think the world didn't really know. I think maybe the gay community understood his orientation. but yeah, some of us never had any doubt. We didn't know. <laughs> uh, and he, he, we certainly never discussed it, and he never came out. He did,
3: he did make a comment, I think, in the 70s, to the melody maker or the NME, I'm as gay as a daffodil.
0: I think mm. the point about him is he he didn't Hide what he was. He may not have made any statements, but he was completely himself, wasn't he?
1: He was, and he wasn't. He he came from a very closed religious community, the Zoroastrian Parsis. Uh, homosexuality is not allowed in their community or in their religion, and so he wouldn't embarrass them by by coming out and making a statement.
0: I, I want to go back to that in a moment and and talk about his his childhood, his origins, and and all that. But just slightly left field question. Here, Matt, what would he have done? What would someone like him have done if he hadn't been a musician? Well, one of the things some people know and some people don't
3: is that Freddie designed the original Queen logo and he'd studied at art school, hadn't he?
1: Yeah, Ealing College of Art.
3: Right, mm. So, so he may have gone on to become an
0: artist of some sort. He wouldn't have just done a humdrum job ever, would he? No,
1: no, no. He was. There was a one one point where he was hawking his art folder around the agencies of London. He graduated in 69 and he was taking his little folder around but there was never really any question that Freddie would take a regular job. And I actually don't think he would have been anything else other than a rock star. I think he would have died trying... The other three wanted it, but they would have had other careers. Brian would have been an astrophysicist, and Roger would have been a dentist, and John would have been a, an electronics expert with his first class degree, honours. You know, they would yeah. have all had careers. Freddie had no other career in mind.
0: You and Freddie, Matt, have something big in common. You're both fearless, outrageous. I, I can't. Tell you how much I admire the way you bound crazily onto the stage, your 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 sheer shamelessness. It's part of your stock in trade. But in real life, I think you're not like that at all. Can a fearless stage presence—and I'm thinking of Freddie as well as you—can it be a kind of thing that you escape into?
3: Yeah, well, it's another manifestation. And actually, I'm very dull, and um, I say this with a small c, so as not to offend you. Conservative. (laughs) Off stage, Uh, and then I get on stage, and I'm, I yeah, I access a different. It's amazing. It's as as if a
0: completely different person pops out.
3: And I'm absolutely influenced by Freddie in in his approach. Yeah, my teen self had posters of Freddie, and I I truly idolized him. And it was his swagger. Yeah, and I was 18 years old in 1992 when I started doing stand-up, and Freddie Mercury died only a year earlier. And uh, I would, I was listening to his music every day, and I would listen to his music before I went on stage because hmm. I was, I was shy and I was scared and uh, closeted at that time myself. And I would always think of Freddie before I went on stage to do stand-up in clubs because I would perform in character, and I would just visualize his, his strut. Heavy
0: old cigarettes will burst into-
3: Mm. And his swagger as he went on stage and and try and do my own sort of tribute to it.
0: Leslie Ann, I want to talk about his mother who I think wanted him to be an accountant, but she recognised his talent pretty early on. We can hear a clip of her here. Are you ready? Huh? You ready, brothers and sisters? We sisters all used to play piano. And
3: when my Freddie started playing piano, about eight or nine years,
1: my mother, she used to say, ''I think that boy's got something.''
0: lesley tell me about his family and where he was born.
1: Freddie was born in Zanzibar, but his family were Indian Parsis. The Parsis were Zoroastrians who'd made their way from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, yeah. down into India... And his father and the father's brothers, Bomi was his name, they went to Zanzibar in search of work. And Bomi got a job as a cashier with the British government. He went home to India to marry Jer, Freddie's mother, Uh, probably was an arranged marriage, and then they went back to Zanzibar. She was only 18 when she gave birth to Freddie in 1946. They had quite a privileged lifestyle in Zanzibar. They had servants. Freddie had a nanny, Anaya, and until the revolution in nineteen sixty four this was their life. In Zanzibar. In yeah. Zanzibar.
0: Which was a very nasty very little nasty little but revolution. Before that yeah.
1: the parents decided because education in Zanzibar was very limited, and he'd gone to the Anglican school there, the missionary school, and been taught by nuns. But at the age of eight he had to go somewhere else and they decided to dispatch him to India, which was an awful thing to do because he was sent thousands of miles away to school on his own, on a ship at eight years old, and he suffered terrible separation anxiety. He could only see his parents once a year after that, and he would write very formal letters because there were no phone lines in those days, in the 50s. So the letters were heartbreaking, you know, dear mother and father, in very formal language, and no possibility of any contact with them during half-terms and holidays. He would go to Bombay. And that void that was created in Freddie by this massive separation anxiety was the thing that drove him, I believe, to become a rock star because he needed something massive to fill that and he was woken up by Western pop music arriving in India in the late 50s. So Gene Vincent and Elvis Presley and Cliff Richard and The Shadows, these kind of things were switching him on and he dropped his studies, he stopped studying classical piano and he formed a band, The Hectics, and that was the beginning of it all.
2: Freddie Mercury's biographer, Leslie-Ann Jones. Also there, Matt Lucas and host Matthew Paris on Great Lives from BBC Radio 4. The show's produced by Miles Ward. And thanks to Michael Huddleston for the recommendation. Pods at rnz.co.nz is the email address if you would like to do the same. Thanks for listening to the Podcast Hour from RNZ. If you're finding it helpful to find new stuff to listen to, then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcasts from and tell your friends and family about us too. And if you're writing a review, then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved. So if you'd like to hear longer clips, more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature, and if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week, that kind of stuff, it would be really helpful to know.